Welcome to What's Going On, the weekly podcast and videocast of First United Methodist Church in Yankton, South Dakota. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of What's Going On. I'm Pastor Katie here at First United Methodist in Yankton, South Dakota, and I'm glad you could join me for this episode. This week, you just get me. Um, it's been really wonderful last the last two weeks having some incredible guests here on the podcast with Cassie Nagel from our River City Domestic Violence Center and Family Connection Center. And then last week, having um, the Director of Habitat for Humanity for Yankton and Clay Counties uh, here with us um, as well. And next week, I'm going to have another guest on the podcast, uh, someone in the church this time, uh, um, Carla Hummel, who is our missions coordinator, to talk more about our missions fundraiser coming up on March 10th. That will be after the service. We're going to be doing a baked potato feed and a dessert auction. And again, that is not for the roof. That is for our missions. Um, one of the ways that we... Um, trimmed the budget was to take out any budgeted missions and we are fundraising for all of our missions because one we want to know what matters to you um, and so the fundraising toward this one is going to go to the missions that we have committed to throughout the year including loads of love and a few other things but um, just want you to have that on your radar so that you make sure to get here on March 10th that is also when uh, we spring ahead which is one of my least favorite days of the year <laughs> as we lose an hour of sleep because that makes sense. Uh, um, and then also just a really quick plug that uh, by the time you're watching this podcast, it'll uh, be kind of the end of February, the beginning of March. So don't forget if you uh, went out and bought purchased items for the River City Domestic Violence Center to get those to the church um, so that we can uh, donate those. We want to make sure that your items get included in that donation. So this is this has been the last week to do that. Um, so today I'm doing something a little different in that I want to reflect on a scriptural story and, and I want to share a little bit of why. Um, so you are at least an avid podcast consumer of this podcast, I assume, if you're watching me. Um, but I also like to listen to podcasts periodically and listen to other people and their thoughts on scripture and um, preaching and things like leadership and all of those kind of things. And so um, this past weekend, I was listening to the podcast um, faith for normal people. And that might sound familiar to you because Tuesdays, our study right now is Revelation for Normal People, which this podcast and that book all come out of uh, a project called The Bible for Normal People, um, which they publish books, they do classes, they have these podcasts, and they have all kinds of things. Um, and the podcast is co-hosted by two gentlemen, and one of them is Pete ends. And he's someone who I've been reading a lot of lately. I just find him very fascinating, gives me a lot to think about. He's an Old Testament scholar and has um, really, his faith has, has evolved and changed over time. And I find that as I grow into my faith, um, that it is also evolving and changing over time. And that's not a bad thing. I think that's part of our growth and our discipleship is that uh, I'm not where I was 10, 15 years ago, but I'm not who I was then either. I've been exposed to more things. I've experienced more things, uh, both positive and negative. 
Um, and those things shape and influence how I understand not only myself, but the world and my faith in it. And so I was listening to this podcast partially because we've been doing work uh, with one of their other resources. And I was curious about uh, what the podcasts were like. And in the podcast, they talk about the story of the prodigal son. Now, this is a story that is, I think, familiar for a lot of us, but I'm going to take a moment here, uh, just a few moments to read it for you before we begin talking about it. And it, what was really fascinating to me is they highlighted some things that I had never thought about before. Um, and I just kind of want to unpack it with you a little bit. And, and I want to preface this by saying this is not something that is well thought out in my brain yet. It's something that I am currently grappling with. Um, but I want to show you that... Um, as we are in this season of Lent and as we are talking about what it looks like to untangle our faith and, and to ask those hard questions and to wrestle with things, um, I want to show you what that looks like for me because I'm always in that process as well. I am with you. I am constantly trying to continue to learn and grow and be challenged and entertain ideas. And sometimes I think, man, that's a really great idea. And sometimes I'll sit with it for a while and be like, you know, I'm just not there. I'm just not there. And that's okay. But at least now I've, I've thought about it. Um, and I don't want you to ever be afraid of wrestling with new ideas because it doesn't mean that you're automatically going to adopt new ideas. But wrestling with them helps you to ask the questions of why do I think what I think? Does it make sense? Where did that come from? Why do they think what they think? Does that make sense? Where does that come from? And do I have something to learn here? Or maybe do I have something to offer here with the perspective that I have? So I just want you to, um, I, I hope in some way this is permission giving that that you can come at stories that maybe are so familiar to you. And it's okay to, to come away feeling like, man, I never thought about it in that way before. All right, so I am taking, I'm going to be reading out of the New International Version just because uh, for me personally, this is the way that I learned this story. And so this language is what's most familiar to me. Uh, and it's from Luke chapter 15. And I'm going to be reading verses 11 through 32, <clears throat> again from the NIV version. Jesus continued. So this is Jesus telling this story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. So the son said to him, Father, 
I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has come back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So there is a lot happening in this story that Jesus tells. And <clears throat> uh, there's there's a lot of, again, I think this is one of the more well-known stories of Jesus. Um, it's also one that is pretty, um, most scholars agree that this really is uh, something that Jesus taught uh the the story uh is pretty consistent across the the gospel witnesses um this is kind of maybe one of the more hallmark teachings of jesus this story is one that everybody remembers um and it's fascinating when we get down into it so oftentimes uh and i think again it's pretty well established that the father figure in this story that jesus tells is meant to represent god um, the, the father is God, but then, and, and that we, we are, are the prodigal son or sometimes we're the older brother. I think, I think oftentimes we, we oscillate between those two. Um, and, and that's kind of the way that we've always thought about it and taught it, um, mm -hmm. that there's, you know, we go off and, and sin and, and are selfish and party and do whatever we want, <clears throat> And then come to our senses and repent. And then God uh, welcomes us home. And then the older brother is mad about it because uh, he doesn't get the celebration. Uh, and he's always been the good kid. Um, but the piece, so that's, I mean, I think that's fairly familiar, hopefully, to you. Hopefully, um, as you've read the story and, and, and contemplated it on it in the past those are things that have come to you and that it's this incredible story of god's grace and forgiveness and um redemption and joy uh so as i was listening to this podcast um they highlighted a piece of it that um frankly i never thought about before and maybe you have uh but I don't think I had, at least not in this way. And they highlighted, so the son has gone off and and he's working with pigs and in and, and the Jewish culture, pigs are unclean. So this is like, he has debased himself so completely that, you know, he's lost all his money. He's, he's made terrible decisions. And now he's working in a place uh, 
making himself unclean by working with pigs, which which Jewish people are not supposed to be in contact with, let alone eat. Um, and he's starving and he and he decides, like, I'm going to go back to my father, not to to reclaim my my sonship here, to reclaim my inheritance because I've already blown it. But just to my father treats his servants better than than this person is that I'm working for. And maybe I can go back and at least have a better life being a servant to my father. Uh, and so there's not even really a sense of, I should never have done this. There's not even a sense of, um, I really screwed up. Uh, I, hopefully there, like he has some of that, but we don't actually hear that. Um, what we hear instead in his little speech that he's worked up, we're like, okay, what am I going to say when I get there? Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. <laughs> so he has an understanding that he's, what he chose to do was not great. He has an understanding that he has made offenses here. Um, but he doesn't say, forgive me. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He's not asking for forgiveness. I don't think he believes that he deserves forgiveness. Um, what he's asked, what he says is, make me like one of your hired men. That's what he's going to do. That's the deal he's going to try to make with his father. That when he sees his father, he's he's got his speech ready. It's not to say, please forgive me. Not to say, can I please come home? But will you hire me? So he's not trying to get back his status. He's not trying to, he doesn't think he's worthy of it. He, it's, he's not even in a place where he feels like I can ask for these things. I am going to beg to try to just be like a hired man, like another stranger off the street that my father would treat with dignity and respect. But this is the piece. This is the piece I'd not thought about before. The pig part I knew, the, I don't know that I'd really like, necessarily understood that he's not ever asking for forgiveness here he's acknowledging his sinfulness he's acknowledging his offensive his offenses um, but he doesn't actually ask for forgiveness or restoration but this is the piece this is the piece right here but while he was still a long way off his father saw him and was filled with compassion. While he was still a long way off. That is when the father begins to act. Not when he encounters his father. Not when he makes his little speech, which he doesn't even make his full speech. The son says to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer to be worthy to be called your son. That's all he gets out. But then we have the father saying to his servants, so you have this, like, I have this image in my head that the father sees the son a long way off and the son is like, okay, it's time. It's time I'm going to rehearse my my speech. I'm going to convince my dad to, to let me do this. And, and the father has a completely different set of thoughts going on, right? The moment the father sees the son at a distance coming, coming back, he's already making plans. It doesn't matter to the father what the son is saying to him. 
the only thing that mattered was that the son showed up. The father didn't wait for the son to admit that he was a sinner. My thought is, as the son is doing this speech that he's probably rehearsed since the moment he decided to come back home, the father's not even listening. He's not because he doesn't acknowledge it at all. He doesn't say, what are you talking about? Of course, you're my son, right? The father is already talking to a servant. He's already making plans for a party. He's already putting the things in motion because the son is home. And the father doesn't see a stranger, even though that son did him dirty, even though that son like cut him off and, and went off and, and, and didn't appreciate anything that the father had done for him. The moment that that son turned back toward home, toward the father, the father was celebrating. The father doesn't even acknowledge that little speech. It's not listening. doesn't care. Like that's what the podcast was talking about. It's like the father doesn't even care whatever that speech was. The father only cares that the son is home. Isn't that fascinating? Like I've been sitting, like wrestling with this. What does that mean? That Jesus is telling this story? And the son doesn't even repent, doesn't ask for forgiveness. And the father is already making that relationship, redeeming it. Which the older, this is, so sometimes we're, we're that prodigal son. And, and when, when we are in those shoes, this story is amazing because when we feel like I have so royally screwed up, God couldn't possibly want me. God couldn't possibly. There's a there's a popular song out right now um, by an artist called Jelly Roll, which is it's a funny name for an artist. And it's um, like, I only talk to God when I need a favor. And it's this whole like idea of like, I am not worthy to ask God for or to expect God to do things because the only time I talk to God is when I need something. But yet this story <clears throat> that Jesus tells that is that is undoubtedly, undoubtedly a story from Jesus's mouth that has not been tampered with much uh, in, in the memory of the people who were writing the Gospels. That's not how God treats us. That's not how God treats the prodigal son. The prodigal son, while the son was still a long way off, even though the son hurt the father previously, you have to think that that happened, that it hurt when the son said, give me my money now. I'm done with this. I'm done with this. This is not the life I want. I do not want to do what you're doing. I'm going to do my own thing. That has to hurt as a parent, right? While the son was so long, the father doesn't know what the son is coming back to do. The son might have come back to be like, uh, you didn't give me enough money. I need more money, you know, or, you know, to maybe that he came back because because he had he had made all his riches and he was going to tell the family off and be like, yeah, you know, all you losers, 
The father doesn't know any of that in the story because the son is still a long way off. The father doesn't know that the son is coming home dejected. The father doesn't know that the son is coming home broke and um, demoralized and humbled. The father doesn't know any of that in the story. All the father sees is his son home, something he never believed would happen, and begins to plan a party. That kind of grace is bananas. It's bonkers. It's crazy. It is illogical. Like, do you see that? That that kind of grace that God shows is straight up offensive. And that's why we have this older brother character who takes offense because, frankly, that's, again, us. And I think, and I'm not sure that they really said it in the podcast, but I think that the older brother represents kind of all of the, I follow the rules, I'm the good kid, I did everything I was supposed to do, um, and I mean, can you not tell that that was me? Um, but I also think it probably like was like the Pharisees of the time, right? Because they're following the rules. They're doing everything that God has. They had 633 rules in their scriptures and they were following every one and even more that they added on. And, and they're upset because these other people who are going off, like in my mind, I also wonder if this is, again, the Jews Gentile thing, because you can also see the um, Gentiles as going off and partying and doing all their stuff. And then they come back to God and God throws them a party. Like, we're happy that you're here. And the and the Jewish people who've been the ones that have been there the whole time and have been laboring under all of these rules and laws going, what? What? You're going to throw him a party? I'm the one that's been here. I'm the one that was faithful. I'm the one that was doing things. This is not right. Where's my party? Where's my goat? Where's my stuff? Are you saying I could have gone and done all of that and just come home and you would have been happy with it? But yet that's God's grace. Again, when you're in the shoes of the prodigal son, this grace is amazing and it is overwhelming because you don't you know you don't deserve it right like we know from the story that the prodigal son is aware of how far they've fallen is aware of just how much they've messed up now never gets most of that out in front of the father in a way that the father hears but the father doesn't care but for that son that reception is overwhelming right beyond what they expected, beyond what they would ever hope for, beyond what they would have ever asked for. That's how God treats us. We mess up and God doesn't wait to hear our speeches for how we're going to do better next time. The moment we turn back toward God, the moment that we realize that God is the only way that I can have hope, God is ready to party. But we are also the people who look at someone else. And when that story is playing out in their life and we see all the ways that they screwed up and God is giving them mercy, we go, that's not right. They need to repent. 
They need to figure their life out. They need to do all the things that I did before God should celebrate them coming home. And I think that's because we have this innate, like, this is right and this is wrong and this is fair and this is not. But grace isn't fair. It isn't. And we like it when it's applying to us, but we don't like it when it's applying to other people. But we see that, that there's multiple stories like this of God offering grace and then people around getting really mad about it. Why? Why, why are you doing that for them? We were just talking in confirmation about the story of Zacchaeus and how Jesus calls Zacchaeus and everyone's and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And the crowd grumbles. Why? That guy, that guy's the worst. He's a tax collector. Why would you go there? He's a sinner. And Zacchaeus says, listen, I don't do that stuff anymore. I, I've been trying to pay back people, anything that I might've cheated. Like Zacchaeus was repentant, but J Jesus didn't wait for Zacchaeus to say all that stuff before, before Jesus said, I'm coming to you. And then it was everyone else, everyone else who was like, this isn't right. We abided by the rules and Zacchaeus here didn't. Why are you going to him? Because that's God's grace. That's God's grace. None of us really deserve it. None of us follow the rules perfectly. None of us uh, make it through the day without being selfish or greedy or prideful or angry or slothful or glutton gluttonous. I don't know if that's a word. Glut that must be the, I don't know. We all don't deserve what God gives us. And again, we're fine with bending the rules for ourselves because we will begin to tell ourselves a story of I'm really not that bad or but I was repentant. But if we don't see that in someone else's story, which the older brother didn't see, didn't see how his brother had repented, didn't see how his because the father never gave him the chance. We have a problem with it. But I just find it fascinating. God acts not waiting for us to have some grand speech. Jesus is telling us in this story that the moment, the moment we turn to God, the moment, even if our like plan of how this is going to look is limited, and I think the prodigal son's plan for how his father would act shows that he doesn't fully understand his father, right? His view of his dad is skewed. Because in his mind, his father's going to be strict. And it's going to be like, listen, you cut yourself off. We're done with you. You are not my son anymore. And his whole plan was dependent on that belief that that's how his father was going to react to him. And that's why he made the speech that he made. I know I'm not worthy. Can Would you be willing to hire me to do the worst job? I will take whatever it is. That the son, even when the son turned back to the father, he had a a really limited understanding of who that father was. And then God showed up and God 
and the father, because again, they're the same, right? They're the same. The father showed him just how much there was love there. And I think it's the same for us. Again, like in my mind, this is all tangled. Ha ha ha. Um, up with our series on untangling faith, because, you know, in this week we talked, this last Sunday, we talked about that part of our faith is limited by what we believe about God and about Jesus, about who Jesus is. And what I think is amazing in this prodigal son story is that the son had a limited belief about who God was and who the father was, but still decided to turn back there and still decided to go home, even if uh, what he believed it was going to be uh, was you know, nothing compared to the reception that he got, right? And how I think that that in our own journeys of faith, sometimes we're afraid to turn back to God. We're afraid to turn home because of what we believe the reception is going to be like based on maybe uh, the way that people in the church have, have responded to others. Again, the people in the church often are that older brother going, hey, you screwed up and, and we are still here. But I want you to hear the moment the moment you turn back to God, the moment you turn and go, I want to start seeking. I don't know what I'm going to find. God is playing in that party. God sees you and is rejoicing over you. And God is ready to show you the depths of God's love and mercy for you. And sometimes we let the grumblings of the older brother, we let the grumblings of the crowd, we let the grumblings <laughs> of the people who feel like they've done everything right um, prevent us from going home, prevent us from seeking God once again, prevent us from coming home to the church again, because we have somehow started to believe that their grumblings are the truth. But they're not. The truth is, the moment you turn your face toward God, God is celebrating. God isn't waiting for you to have some big speech about how you're terrible and how you need to turn things around. God knows you. And God will help you to do all of that by filling you with love and grace by reminding you that you are a beloved child, even if you spent your whole life running away from that. And to those of us who maybe are tempted that if people are finding their way back to God, to remind them of all the ways that they've screwed up or to get angry because why are we celebrating them when I've been here this whole time and you've never thrown a party for me hear the words of Jesus to you. You are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate because this brother or sister of yours, they've come home. So this this story has just been really hitting me hard. And, and sometimes, you know, I believe in God moments. And I think um, this, this past week of, of preaching on um, 
limiting beliefs around God and who we believe God to be. And then hearing this prodigal son story uh, coming at it from this angle of, of God doesn't wait for us to to get it right about who God is. God doesn't wait for us to get it right about who we need to be. The moment that we start seeking God, God is celebrating. God is like ready to like, just fill you with love and grace and, and to change your life in that way. God's not waiting for you to change your life and then come to God. God knows that you can't do it on your own. Prodigal son came home empty handed, broken. And God still celebrated. And God celebrates over you too. Don't let the grumblings of the older brothers and the crowds who think they know what's going on and they really don't. Because they've forgotten what grace looks like. Don't let those things stop you. Because there is a God who loves you. Who can't wait for you to come home, to remember who you are, and to celebrate you. Hopefully that begins to untangle some things. I know, I know that there are people that are not coming to church right now because their belief of their self-worth, their belief about God is tangled up in the grumblings of other people. Or they see God's grace to someone who has done something that they believe is wrong and they can't accept it. God's grace, if it's truly grace, means that we do not deserve it. And it's true that that person doesn't deserve it. But just like you, God offers it anyway. Let's not harden our hearts to each other because of what we think the other person needs. We don't know. We don't know what's going on. But what we do know is that God loves them just as God loves you. And God wants you to know it, to believe it. <clears throat> I hope that you're finding this series on untangling faith meaningful. Uh, it has definitely been uh good for my own heart and soul as well. And then I want to just share a little bit again about some things that are coming up this Sunday. Uh, we are starting um, a three week new members class uh, Sundays at 830. If you are not a member of the church and you're like, what does membership mean? Um, can I just come and 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 just hang out with you all? Yeah, you can. But do you want to make this place um, your home and be a part of our mission and ministry and really like commit and and uh, and be a part of what we are and who we are? Um, one, I hope so. Two, uh, coming to the class doesn't commit you to any of that. Uh, you can come to the class and be like, no, peace out. That's not for me. Or you can come to the class and be like, oh, my goodness. Um, this church is exactly the kind of thing I've been looking for. Um, what you guys are about is, is what I'm about. Or, man, you guys are awesome, and I want to know more about what, what you believe because uh, it seems that it's changed your life, and I want it to change my life too. Um, so three weeks, the end of that time, if you, were, if you were like, yeah, sign me up, 
uh, uh, we, we will then be uh, receiving new members in church following that. Um, also, I'm trying to find, uh, if I'm, here it is. <clears throat> Got too much stuff on my desk. Oh, by the way, last week's podcast with, um, <clears throat> I still can't think of her name. Cindy Erlinson from Habitat was in the library upstairs. We technically have three libraries in this church. We have a children's library, which is on the first floor gathering room. We have a United Women in Faith library, which is up in the upper uh, room. Uh, it's also the classroom that's on the north side of the church. And we have our regular church library. Uh, and that is where we filmed last week's episode. Um, I guess also maybe you could say that I have a library in my office. I heard somewhere that for it to be called a library or considered a library, it has to have a thousand books in it. I don't think I'm there here. Maybe if I included all my Kindle books, I would get there. I should count them sometime. I wonder if any of our libraries would count or if we'd have to consider them all together. If anyone is bored one afternoon and would like to count the books in our church, uh, let me know. Uh, we have a few weeks left of our Revelation for Normal People class. That has been one amazing class. I'm so grateful for everyone who's come come out for that. Uh, and, and the discussions that have come from that class has been just really incredible. The following week, and that goes through March 12th, the 19th, we're going to be starting a new uh, study for that same time frame, Tuesdays at noon. And it's based on this book by Tom Berlin. When he wrote the book, he was Tom Berlin. Now he is Bishop Tom Berlin. Uh, he's a United Methodist Bishop and he's serving in the Florida uh, conference. I don't know if they have more than one conference, but um, this book is called Courage, Jesus and the Call to Brave Faith. It is not a terribly long book, certainly uh, much easier to understand than the book of Revelation. Um, and and uh, you can either get this book on your own, it's available on Amazon and things like that, or contact Lisa in the church office uh, and she will order a book for you. You're going to want to let her know early though, because you do need to read chapter one uh, by the 19th. Um, I promise you, again, the chapters are fairly short. I'm looking here. Chapter one begins on page 15 and goes to 34. So maybe uh, 19 pages. It's not significant reading, but there is going to be reading each week and then discussion. Um, I'm very excited about that. I saw Tom Berlin um, at Leadership Institute at the Church of the Resurrection a couple of years ago and was just blown away. Uh, this is truly a man of God, uh, very um, gifted leader, gifted pastor, gifted um, prophet for the church. And so I'm excited to dig into one of his books with all of you. Um, and so that again is open to anybody. Um, I think the book is around $15 to purchase. Uh, if that is something that keeps you from joining us, please let me know. I never want the cost of something to be a hindrance. We can certainly work with you on that. Um, but that is coming up. So new member class starting this week. This one starts the 19th, but you're going to want to get your order in. Don't forget also to order your Easter lilies. Um, that Those orders need to get in the next couple of weeks as well. You can stop by the church office. Or we did, we um been doing inserts in the bulletin on Sunday for that as well. So also, uh, continue to uh, turn in your pledges and your donations for the roof. We are well over halfway there. Again, we do have the um, 
rummage sale coming up at the first weekend in May. Someone asked, uh, when will we start taking uh, donation items for that? Not until after Easter. Uh, but I do know that spring fever is starting to hit. It certainly did in our house this weekend. And what I would suggest is start gathering your stuff for the rummage sale and just kind of designating a spot in your house and just keep adding to the pile. That's what I'm doing. Well, I'll be honest, I've got three piles. Um, but uh, after Easter is when we'll start taking stuff in. And so if, the, if you have a large item that you're like, I need to get rid of this now, please let me know. Um, and I can, or let Jane Gilmore know as well. Uh, we do have the capacity. If it is sort of a situation like, listen, uh, I've already ordered another couch and I don't have room for two couches in my house right now. We can figure something out there. Um, we would rather you donate the couch to us for the rummage sale than to give it to someone else because we couldn't take it right now. So does that make sense? We'll figure it out. If you want to get it to us, but this is the only time frame that it's possible, we'll figure something out. If you can hold on to it until well after Easter, that would be preferable. We don't have a lot of spaces in the church to store things at the moment. And we want this to be a really great event. Keeping in mind, even a really great rummage sale, not going to bring in $50,000. So keep uh, keep talking over um, your pledge donation amount toward the roof if you haven't turned one in already. Um, and thank you to everyone who has. Um, again, I want to keep in front of you that uh, the roof project will happen this spring. Uh, we are pulling money out of our foundation accounts in order to pay for it. And then what you turn in is replenishing that money. So we're not having to wait until it um, until you give us your donation to make the roof project happen. It has to happen. And it is happening. Um, and so I know there's been some confusion about that. Um, what we're doing is putting the money back in the foundation that we took out to pay to pay it because otherwise we have no money in the foundation, which is a problem because we've been using some of that to help pay our budget. And so we need it. Um, yeah. So I feel like that's been a lot. Thanks for, thanks for uh, joining me today. I hope to see you in worship very soon. And until then, God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of what's going on. We'd love to have you join us for worship here at the church on Sundays at 10 a.m. You can also find us online via our website at firstumcyankton.org or search for us on YouTube.